Well, welcome everybody to this week's edition of View from the Press Box. I'm Scott Hogan, and joining me is Brad Hallier. And Brad, it's uh, again, it's kind of hard to know what time of year it is. We just wrapped up uh, state baseball, softball. Now the weather's cooled off again. It was rainy, then it was hot. Now it's cold again. So, uh, what, what, what are you feeling like? It's summer yet? Well, let's see. Today is uh, what June second, and last uh, yesterday, June first, uh, my son had a summer, quote unquote, summer uh, McPherson's uh, soccer game where they play just like you know small sided games up in McPherson. And on the drive home, I had the heat on. <laughs> yeah. part, part part of that was just due to the fact that it was you know just you know it just started getting foggy inside the car just because it was so cool outside, and I I finally had to turn the heat on to defrost the windshield. In June, yeah, yeah. Well, was it the we in the same week there? I think was I think it was the week of state baseball and softball. Earlier in the week, you had the heater on in the house, and by the weekend, uh, we had the uh, air conditioners on. Right. Within a change of about three days, so uh, it, weather is what it is, and it's uh, I, I could handle it. If this was uh, the way summer was going to be the whole year, I, I'd I'd sign up for it. Yeah, absolutely. I think in the extended forecast, I think we got about another week of mid to upper seventies, maybe lower eighties. But yeah, I, I, that's that's a that's very little air conditioning right there. I know it's uh, it's really nice on the heating and cooling bills. Let's put it yeah. that. Way. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> well, as we mentioned, the state baseball and softball uh, championships, state track and field, all in the books. So let's go ahead and um, take a look at some of the results of the classes that we typically cover unless if you want to hit on six and five a we'll give you that chance here in a little bit let's start in at 4a where of course our main schools uh bueller did not make it to state and lo and behold brad i don't know that any of us are shocked mcpherson goes on and wins state 4a baseball in salina 5-2 victory over uh tonga noxie at all and, and any surprises there at 4a uh, maybe not surprised uh, that McPherson won, but uh, Scott, they, uh, I think they only had like one or two seniors who started. Their two top pitchers are both juniors. Uh, you thought McPherson was tough this year, and they obviously were. They're the state champion. Uh, they, 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 they could, they could run it back next year. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that uh, McPherson is going to be probably ranked number one when when the polls come out next year. And yeah, they're they're, they're the team to beat. I don't think anybody. Uh, surprised they're sitting atop of 4A and 3A at Manhattan. Uh, the one area team that made it in was a, a bit of a surprise was Halstead. And they took on Bishop Ward in the opening round. It was 21 and two. That game was actually, I think, a scoreless game after three innings. If I remember the update that I saw, um, they ended up getting shut out nine to nothing. The eventual winner of 3a was wichita collegiate they ended up 23 and 1 they had a 10-3 victory over columbus again uh, halstead i think acquitted themselves well for a while i um, don't think anybody's surprised that bishop ward won that game Are you su- um, surprised that columbus knocked off bishop ward and then collegiate wins the whole thing not really i think that 
maybe a slight surprise that Columbus beat Ward because Ward is uh, such a longtime power in Kansas City at, at the 3A and 4A level. Uh, collegiate, though, they, I think we all knew going into the season based on what they had coming back. It was a very young team last year, and they returned everybody, and uh, not really surprised that they were out, able to go out and win state. What do you think of 3A in our area? Um, you know, Heston was there last year. They got knocked out. Um, Haven was a higher seed. They got knocked out by uh, Halstead and that. Re- what do you think about 3A baseball as a whole right here in central Kansas um, heading into next year? Well, I think Haven will still be pretty good next year. Uh, Halstead, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, was fairly young. Uh, you know, Heston's got a pretty established program right now, which is funny to say because they haven't been around that long. Uh, but it, it has had a lot of success. Uh, the thing that, you know, you, what we're seeing in 3A, Scott, is that there's that, that that's a very deep classification. Not to say that other classes aren't, but, you know, with, with collegiate, not every year, uh, but, but Ward is the one that you really need to be concerned about year to year. And southeastern Kansas also is very strong in 3A. I mean, Baxter Springs didn't even make it this year. But you had Columbus and Girard who both made it. And uh, both uh, were playing in the semifinals. Columbus got second. Girard got fourth. So it's, it's just a very difficult class to compete in, I think. I mean, there's there's just good teams across the board in 3A. Yeah, and it was it was a shame. And, and it happens a lot. And, and we had pretty much, not all of them, but about all of our area teams all stuck in one regional. So um, there was, there was very little chance for us to have uh, more than one team to be able to cover in Manhattan. And that's geography. Um, like it or not, that's just the way Keisha does it. I, I, I'm not a big fan of it, but that's just the way it is. Right. And we might be seeing that change next year, hopefully where they have the kind of, kind of the meet in the middle with the uh, quads instead of uh eight regionals and and not uh, east west so it, it would be a minor fix uh, better better than what we have but not quite east west either so I'll, I'll look forward to see how it'd be very interesting next year when those brackets do come out to see if it um how the teams are dispersed it'll be very very interesting well the class 2-1a brad in great bend that's where i was this spring and what a tournament it was. I was there to cover Little River and Remington, and then the station up in that area of the state uh, had me cover Valley Falls. Well, Brad, I ended up doing, after the the only game I did not cover on the airwaves was the opener of the tournament, Colony Crest and St. Mary Colgan. I covered the next seven games of the tournament, uh, which, of course, we saw Remington get uh, hammered in the opening round by the eventual champion, Mission Valley, 10-0. Uh, we saw Pitt Colgan get beat. Colony Crest was undefeated. And then Little River Brat. I tell you what, what a ride they sent us on in this postseason. That Elkhart game, they were down, let me remember, that they were down 5-2 to two at one point and 5-3 to three going into the top of the seventh. And they score four runs. They were the visiting team as the five seed in the 4-5 matchup to win that one 7-5. So they turn around the next morning, play at 11 against 24-0 undefeated Colony Crest. They're down 6-1 in the fifth inning of this game. They're able to get this thing tied, send it to eight innings, and they score two runs, or it was tied at seven. They score three in the top of the eighth, 
And Colony Crest gets one on, and they strand runners at second and third, just like they did in the Elkhart game and in the game and win 10-8 to eight and actually go and play for the state championship and end up losing just by one run and had multiple chances, actually led the 5-4 game 4-2 to two in the fifth inning. Uh, Mission Valley got up 5-4. Nobody scored after the fifth. Mission Valley actually getting the winning run on a balk mm. uh, in the fifth. Um, but it was it was amazing. And the starters for Little River in the semifinals and the finals were both freshmen. It was just an amazing ride. They just didn't quite have enough magic, but um, they made it a fun tournament. Well, when you look at who they played in this tournament, I mean, first of all, they you know beat Elkhart, and that's one of the great base small school baseball uh, programs in the state of Kansas. Then they beat undefeated Colony Crest, and then they beat a Mission Valley team who had just won their first two games by a combined 24 to four. So uh, obviously little river proved themselves as worthy of playing in that final game, uh, worthy of being the state champion, just came up a little bit short, but they, they, they definitely have it going on in the little river for baseball right now. Actually across boys sports and girls sports. Uh, just, uh, I know we said that a lot of times through the years, but w- w- what a time for little river athletics. And amazingly enough, Brad, they did it with 11 players. <laughs> well, I guess the good thing is uh, Coach Rankin doesn't have to worry too much about play, uh, a- angering people with playing time. Yeah, it is. You know, the, the Elkhart game, Brad, you, you saw strategy come into a lot of these games. Um, Elkhart had decided that in this way that the game started, they kept all their pitchers under 30 pitches. So when they got to that level, they took them out so they could be available for the next day. Of course, the philosophy is now have all my pitching staff ready for the semifinals and finals. Problem was the third, the, I think it was the fourth guy they put in. That's the guy Little River got to. Um, so it ended up backfiring on them. We saw, of course, Mission Valley with the, the 10-0 run rule over Remington was able to only use one arm there. Um, and then they run rule Valley Falls uh, 14-4 late in the game there. Um, what do you think about the two strategies? You know, I talked to Little River about that, and they said, you know, you know we're going to pitch Braden Young in game one, and we're going to ride him as long as we need to. you got to win the first one to get to the semifinals and the finals. What do you think about those two differing strategies? Because it certainly backfired on Elkhart. It's, it's, it's a tough call. I mean, me personally, Scott, when I get to a single elimination tournament, especially state, but even to a certain extent regionals, I'd have a hard time not throwing my ace right away. I mean, if if you're someone that's you know nineteen and one and you're playing someone three and seventeen, okay, maybe you roll the dice then. But you know, overall, I, I just have a hard time not throwing my ace right away. And maybe you're lucky; you start your ace. And, he, and your ace only throws, you know, 28 pitches through three innings. Okay, you're up now nine to nothing. Okay, we can pull them now. Okay, that, that's fine. But, again, I, I just have a hard time not using my ace. I'm the same way. When I visited with the, the Remington coaching staff, that was what they wanted to try to do was to keep their pitchers under 30 pitches. Trouble was they got in an early hole. There was no way. Then they had to stay with their ace and um, Mission Valley ended up, you know, getting a big enough lead. They just threw their ace most of the way. Um, You got to win that first one. That's all I can say. I mean, 
you got to do what you got to do to win um, win that first game to, to, to even have that problem on day two. And, um, you know, Little River went into that last game. I think uh, I think Dalton Mance had 14 pitches available, and I think Logan Rankin had somewhere in the neighborhood of about 24 or 5. Um, they couldn't throw Braden Young. He went six and two-thirds in the opener. Um, so they started Spencer Strecker, a freshman, and Logan Rankin finished the game in the championship. So um, it worked out well for the way they did it. It didn't for Elkhart. I know we could we could argue that till we're blue in the face, but I I, I think I've got to go with that number one guy and, and and my number two if I have to win to do it to win that first game. Right, and you know, and maybe some schools it's 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 going to be different for every for everybody, and especially when you get to the two one A level, Scott, uh, you may not you may just not have that many pitchers or capable arms in a state tournament. And it just may be one of those things where you have to use a Johnny bullpen kind of approach just because you just don't have the depth. And we've never talked a ton about it. Um, I'm an open critic of the pitch rules, pitch count rules that they have, especially for three a on down, just because of what you just said, a lot of schools have two, maybe three guys, um, and it was a great championship game. But, Brad, I don't want to see your third and fourth starters pitching against one another in a championship. I want to see the top guys. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, when, when Bueller won state, I mean, this is how good they were. Uh, they were able to throw Jace Williams in the championship game. And, you know, he wasn't uh, their number one or their number two, but he was probably the best, one of the best athletes in Kansas. And when you're throwing, you know, when, when you can have that luxury, uh, yeah, it's, it's good to have. But. Not everybody has that. Very few teams have that ability and the luxury to have, you know, three three legit starters and maybe three guys you can bring out of the bullpen. I mean, it's just it's just a rare thing to have. So that was class two one egg, and Little River ends up as the state runners up um, this year. Let's let's jump over onto the softball side of things. You were in Salina um, for the opening day, class four A to cover Andale Garden Plain, Brad, and this is rarefied territory where Andale Garden Plain gets stumped by Bishop Miege, 9 nothing in the opener, just their third loss of the season for Andale Garden Plain. Uh, what, what did you see there um, in, the, in that opener where Andale Garden Plain just really took it on the chin? Walks. Walks. That, that, that's what it was. It was walks, I believe. Uh through five innings and maybe, maybe it was four, but you know, Miege is up like seven to nothing and oh. Andale had out hit Miege up to that point. Wow. Yeah. So, and I, and I, I want to, I think that Miege hit a two run Homer in either, it was either the sixth or the seventh innings. And it was a single, then a home run. And I think at that point they overtook uh, Andale, uh, you know, for more hits, but for most of the game, again, even when it was seven to nothing, Andale had more hits, so that should that that and and I think they only committed maybe one error. It was just walks that really hurt them in this game, and we're not talking about you know one walk here, one walk there. We're talking like uh, thinking Miege's uh, five run second inning. I want to say that they had actually it was a six run second inning. I think it was six runs on two hits. Oh, now you talk to any coach, and I I say it almost ad nauseum. Over a course of a full game, you can just not overcome free passes, whether it's walks, hit batsmen, or errors. When you give extra outs, it's just, especially at this stage 
of the season, it, it's going to bite you. Right. And you could just almost feel the, I don't want to say that Andale was stunned or anything like that, but you could almost sense like they had this almost like a, this isn't supposed to be happening mentality out there. Like they, they really didn't know how to, re- I don't say they didn't know how to respond because they had, they got plenty of base runs. They just couldn't get that big hit, but you could, I I, know, I just almost felt like, you know, that they were just like, you know, this isn't supposed to happen to us at state softball. Well, you've those great teams and you and I both covered them over the years. I had um, a couple, two or three of their championships and it was the complete opposite. They won it with dominant pitching and timely late inning hitting. That that was their they, – they might not get to you the first or second time through the lineup, but they knew it was still going to be maybe at, at worst a one-run game when they got into those middle innings, and that's when they got you. And that, that just apparently was not the case this year. No, no. And, you know, it, it doesn't take away from a great season that Andale Garden plan had. It was just kind of unfortunate for those seniors. You know, they go state runner-up, COVID state runner-up. And I know that's not how they wanted to end things, but, you know, it's, it's an established program now. They'll be back. And the championship was Miege and Eudora. Eudora, of course, that's a perennial power. They end up winning 4-2. Any, any surprises there? No, Eudora won their first two games easily, 9-2 and 6 nothing. Uh, Miege took down defending state champion and top seed Wamigo 6-5 in what looked like a great semifinal game. Uh, but yeah, Eudora definitely showed that they were definitely the uh, the, the best team in, in, in 4A this year. I know a lot of people will point to, oh, there's Miege again. But Miege actually, actually doesn't have a very deep history when it comes to softball. As we go into the Twin Oaks complex there in Manhattan for 3A state softball, um, I guess kind of our area team. It's a co-op, Hoisington Central Plains. Uh, they were the number one seed at 22-1. and one. They get bounced um, in the first game by Santa Fe Trail 4-1. to one. Uh, I was there for day two last year at Class 3A, and I, I, I need to go back and look. I don't remember if it was the semifinals or the finals where Cheney en route to their championship beat them, but uh, I know that was disappointing for them to suffer just their second loss. Uh, Frontenac, I don't think anybody's surprised. They beat our air, other area team, Kingwin, uh, co-oping with Norwich 7-3. to three. Um, Surprised at all Central uh, Hoisington lost that opener. I don't think there's much of a surprise that Frontenac is champion, but were you surprised Hoisington lost early on? I mean, when you're playing an 8 seed that's 19-4, and four, I mean, that tells you pretty much how good that uh, number eight seed is, and if I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken, Santa Fe Trail will probably place the place teams like Rossville, which finished uh, in fourth place, and they probably also play teams like, oh, maybe they, they may even play like a Hayden or a Holton. You know, they're kind of up in near that Topeka area. So, uh, it, I'm sure Santa Fe Trail was very well prepared going into the into the state, this, despite being the eight seed in a 19 and four record. Well, Brad, if you look at the semifinals. How about this? You're, you, the top side of the bracket was the eight seed versus the five seed. The bottom side was the seven versus the six. The top four lost the openers. Yeah, that, that's really, I think, uh, a testament to just how good 3A softball is. Again, 19 and four is your eight seed. In, and that's just, uh, what, three games difference between number one and number eight? I mean, that's just remarkable uh, depth and balance that you, we saw. And like you said, Scott, absolutely no surprise. Front next to softball power in the. You know, they, they actually – their closest game actually was against Kingman Norwich. Yeah, it was in the opener. Uh, and 
girls two uh, 2-1-A state softball. Well, 2-1-A is a sweep for Mission Valley. We mentioned that they had the 5-4 one-run victory in baseball over Little River. Uh, Mission Valley, the girls, 6-4 over Troy, which who suffers their first loss of the season. Um, again, you look at the – really, maybe the only surprise here was Richmond Central Heights – the sixth seed um, at a, with a 14 and seven record beating 22 and one Leon blue stem. Troy was undefeated. Uh, Mission Valley was uh, just two losses coming in and El Saline was undefeated coming into the tournament. You had the Mission Valley Troy final with Mission Valley winning it. Uh, what did you think about two one a? Well, Pittsburgh Colgan didn't win, so <laughs> they've been kind of, yeah, they've been kind of on a, a roll. And uh, El Saline took care of them five two in the first game. Uh, not not I, I, again, uh, not not really a ton of surprises. Uh, don't really know much about some of these teams like Troy, but uh, I look at uh, Central Heights fourteen and seven, and the number six seed. They go out and win their first game. They actually end up in third place. They they then beat uh, El Saline eleven to one for third place. Yeah, it was. Uh, I was. Surprised, I looked in there and saw that uh, it was a sweep for Mission Valley there in in two one a, and I thought, well, you know, yeah, sometimes that happens, and I think that's also too. It's 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 tough for tough for the fans uh, that were split because of course one's in Pratt, one is in Great Bend. I know I know Keisha wants to get you know gates from both places, but um, I, I I really hate it that you can't in that situation be in the same location for the fans. Yeah, it kind of stinks. I know the great bend and uh, Pratt's not a huge drive, but you know, and, you know, six A's got to deal the same way. Scott, uh, Fort Scott hosts baseball and think of the Shawnee mission complex and suburban Kansas city hosts softball. It's kind of, kind of a tough deal. I, you know, well, I kind of like to bring it back to Lawrence, man, you know, playing in Hogland ballpark and playing at rock chalk park and, yeah, I just feel like there's some missed opportunities out there. Yeah, I, I think there is, and I hope, hopefully, maybe that'll be one of the changes that Keisha um, does look at making. Um, other postseason action involving area teams: we had the NJCAA World Series at Grand Junction, Colorado, of course, involving once again the Cowley Tigers, who end up going. I think I saw correctly two and two. Um, at the College World Series. And from what I was looking at box scores and everything, something that they really relied on during this season was their pitching. Brad, in the fewest runs they gave up in their four games was six. They, <laughs> they lost 16 to 12 in the opener. I'm looking through some of the, the scores here. Let me fall. I think, oops, I just went too far. Um, looks like Central Arizona ends up winning the whole thing. Let me see if I can find the, the game in which Cowley lost out was 16 to five. Uh, Got to scroll through all the scores here to find all of their. Yeah, I can't find all of them. I know they, they gave up double digits in, I think, two or even three of their, their games in this tournament. And that's that just, that just that was a recipe for disaster for this Cowley team. Oh, I found, I found the bracket here. Um, 
so it looks like Cali's still alive, actually. Okay. Uh, they were supposed to play. Well, they're they're getting uh, wrapping up tonight, uh, seven thirty Mountain Time. So that's what eight thirty our time. So yeah, they're probably still playing. Playing uh, the only undefeated team, Walter State, out of Tennessee, and it's like Central Arizona and Wabash Valley were still playing. So uh, Cali trying to do it the hard way by going through the losers bracket. They've won, let's see, one, two, three in a row to get to this point. And I've covered this a couple times because Hutchinson's been out there, and it's a little quirky uh, where Cali's at because Hutch was in this game one year. And it's it's actually a cross-bracket game where you have a team with a loss like Cali playing an undefeated team in Walter State. So, And then, of course, you got Central Arizona and Wabash. So someone's got to win Central Arizona Wabash, and you know they'll advance. But if Cali beats Walters, now you got three teams in the championship game. Okay, I knew there was a weird <laughs> – that could play out so yeah so it's uh it's it's kind of bizarro and uh gosh i'm without knowing the the results of the central arizona wabash valley game there's no way to know but i know that the tiebreaker is if if somebody has played more games than the others they actually get a bite to the real national championship game and then the other two will play for the right to to play uh in that game so it's it's just kind of a bizarre scene. I mean, the Cali's played what one, two, three. For this will be their fifth game. Walter yeah, State's yeah. only played one, two, three, four. So they would have that tiebreaker over Walter State at least, and then it would just come down to either Central Arizona or Wabash Valley. Yeah, I say I'm having a trouble finding the bracket myself. That's why I was uh, saw the wrong score where I thought they had been defeated. But uh, yeah, um, playing in some shootouts is, was surprising to me when I when I saw them at. Region six, it was uh, they had pretty dominant pitching. Are you surprised at all that they, they've given up the runs they have? Yeah, that's usually been a calling card of Cali baseball is their deep pitching staff. And, and of course, they've been one of the top teams in the country this year, you know, the seven seed out of the 10 in this tournament. And, but yeah, it's, uh, and, and just like anything else, Scott, and, you know, it's going to come down to depth. And, you know, they've played what one, they, they played four straight days and they did get a day off at least. But still, this will be their what their fifth game in six days. I mean, gosh, I, I you might be able to go back to your race at this point, I guess. And that'll be very interesting to see what they do again. Um, yeah, you, maybe. Do you think you could go back and maybe go four or five innings with the ace, and then go back to maybe by committee to try to get to that championship game? I guess it kind of depends on how much the ace threw in their first game, that eight-two loss to Central Florida. So again, they would have one, two, three, four, four days rest. Uh, that's again, kind of depends on how much they threw in that first game. Uh, that, that that's a tough call because four days is right on the cusp of being able to go back out there full. Yeah, I think I finally got the bra- right bracket up here. I think they were showing me last year's where I was at. <laughs> there we go. Got it finally. Yep, and nothing, of course, showing up on that as of yet. So uh, we will try to. We'll try to ascertain a score for that, but yeah, that is a unique. Why has it been? You know, the the NAI is also a ten team World Series. Why why do they go with that odd number? Do you, what what's the rationale behind that? Well, uh, for for JUCO, I would just guess it's the number of uh, teams. You know, divided by a certain number of districts, or I yeah, I I can't say for sure. But it's been 10 teams for pretty much as long as I can remember. Uh, they, they've had 10 teams in this tournament for 
quite quite a quite a long time now and unless there's a big in, in influx of uh you know teams going to division one it's probably going to stay 10 teams so yeah it's a it's an odd bracket but it seems to seems to work really well so um yeah i don't think they're going to be going away from it anytime but again cowley uh, three and one trying to battle back through the the long way of the losers bracket and we'll we'll get you that information see maybe they can still um, have a little magic left up there in grand junction well brad of course the uh, state track and field was uh, where it always is there in wichita and uh, what i saw a lot of results you know ad astra was posting a lot of the area kids results and everything what 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 did you see? Any, what was the biggest maybe surprise or highlight that you saw from state track and field? Well, I did see that one kid from Stanton County way out west. I know it's not our area, but this was pretty impressive. Uh, won all four of the distance events, uh, the 32, the 16, the 800, and the four. That's pretty impressive. And then I heard about the – get a little of this, Scott. These uh, three brothers from Olathe North, there's a senior and then twin juniors. They by themselves accumulated enough points to win the state championship. <laughs> Holy cow! <laughs> and yeah, just absolutely incredible to to be able to do something like that. Um, you know, they, they they they're also part of relays that did well. I don't think either relay won, but I think they both got second. And uh, but yeah, these three brothers alone uh, accumulated enough points for Olathe North to win this six uh, A boys state championship. I did see Mound Ridge. Uh, boys and Garden Plain girls took home state championships. Uh, Smoky Valley girls and and Dale girls. So how about that? How about Renwick, the Renwick School District? Both four A state champions, boys and girls for Andale and the two A girls. So that that that's quite remarkable. And it's not just track, obviously. The Renwick School District is loaded in a lot of sports, but that that that's quite incredible what they've been able to do at Andale and Garden Plain. It is. Um, yeah, we we talked about their softball earlier, but yeah, that's a. That's pretty impressive and pretty tough on the rest of the field, no doubt about it. <laughs> um, one of the interesting things that I, I saw pop up, and you may have seen this. I posted it um, to my Facebook when I saw it online. Um, when we talk about state track and field, um, a name popped up that I didn't really remember as much. It was Jackie Styles. Yep. Which, of course, everybody, when you hear that name, thinks of, you know, most likely probably the best uh, female basketball player in the state of Kansas, maybe all time, especially at a, at a, a, a 1A level. I think that's, um, you know, her and it may, Emily Ryan, of course, from the same school um, will be mentioned in that. But I had forgotten how awesome of a track athlete she was. The, the article that I read that she, out of 16 possible First place finishes in her track and field in her four years. She won 14 of them. And oh, by the way, finished second in the other two. Right, right. And I want to say that second place may may have been like in a field event, like long jump or something like that. So, yeah, it's, it's one of the most uh, incredible things is that, you know, we talk about Jackie Styles and the prowess she had on the basketball court. But, heck, you can make the argument that she was more successful in high school track than she was basketball. Uh, you really could, which I mean brings up, and this this is again something that could be debated a lot of different ways. It, is it possible if you want to just go? I don't know a, a chunk of years. 
Is it possible she's the best female athlete ever in the state of Kansas? I'd have, you know, on the surface, I would probably say yes. I'd have to, you know, dig a little bit deeper, looking at some people like, you know, Nikki Ramage and, uh, oh, what's your face from Little River that participated in the Olympics for, uh, was Sandra Myers or something like that? Does that sound right? Yes, that sounds right. Yeah, who uh, competed for Spain in the Olympics. So, uh, you know, Lynette Woodard, obviously, she's probably a little bit ahead of her time, unfortunately, for her. Uh, just an incredible athlete there as well. I mean, you know, we've been pretty blessed through the years with ath- athletics in Kansas, Scott. I mean, you know, Maurice Green's from Kansas. You know, one time he was the best sprinter in the world, and it's just uh, pretty remarkable the, how blessed, you know, Jim Ryan, you know, Wichita East, and look how great he was as a track athlete back in the day. You know, it's, uh, it's pretty incredible how, how blessed we've been with uh, athletes in the state. It is, and, and, and I saw that. I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised that, uh, you know, Jackie Styles was such a great track athlete as she was a basketball player but i think a lot i think it was a good reminder to people um, that may have forgotten um, just how talented she was not just in basketball but that was that was a lot of fun and we'll, we'll get back to uh state track and field a little bit in my final thoughts tonight we'll skip around a couple other topics brad um we'll check in our weekly check-in on the royals can be fairly short i think tonight um 16 and 33 overall, um, maybe most disappointing. Uh, they're two and eight in their last 10, eight and 15 at home this year. Uh, Zach Grinke just headed to the disabled list. He, he got off to a good start this year. His last three, four starts have been a disaster. Um, a lot of that could be due to why he went on the DL. He has some arm issues. Um, but I don't think a lot has changed since we last talked. The, the the veterans still seem to be mired in a slump, and the Royals just 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 not going anywhere. They're right now um, five games securely, or it looks like eh, somewhere in that half um, back in about three and a half, four back of the Tigers, and are firmly in control of last place in the Central. Well, not just last place, but I think they're in control right now of the top pick in the draft next year. And I mean, the Reds were, if I'm not mistaken, Scott, I think the Reds at one point were like two and eighteen this year, and they've even passed the Royals now. So, uh, God, it's just ridiculous, man. It's it's not getting better; it's getting worse. And they were they, Scott. They were talking about how they might contend this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you and I believe that. Um, we've talked a lot about seventy. Five wins would have been uh, a great year, but boy, I tell you, it looks like they'd be hard pressed to get 70 right now, the way they're, uh, and that they'll have streaks where they're going to play better, but boy, uh, I, I really don't know what you do. You're, you're, what are they? 49 games into a 162 game season. Um, it's just turned June. The all-star breaks in July. Uh, do you think they're going to be major players at the trade deadline? You could see someone like Whit Merrifield getting traded, or you know Zach Grinky or something like that. It's 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 possible. Uh, major players unload some players, but you know Scott, at some point, uh, you know you got to start asking the questions about Dayton Moore. God love him. He took us to a, you know he built a, a World Series champion and back to back American League pennants and about four years of really really good baseball. But uh, and, and he absolutely deserved to get a, a chance to to rebuild again. It's not working this time. 
That sure doesn't on the surface um, look like it is. You, you talk about Grinky. Um, do you think it's just age? I mean, he's what is he 30? Was it eight? 37, 38 years old um, on the DL. He got off to the good start, but um, started having arm trouble. Do you, do you just think it it may be just just the end for Grinky? Do you think he comes back from this um, DL stint any better? I'm not sure, Scott. I mean, there's one thing that my dad always said that, you know, this is what happens when you're a bad team. You, you get injuries. And <laughs> there's a lot there's a lot of truth to that. And, you know, hopefully Zach is able to come back. But uh, I don't know. I mean, would you? <laughs> Seriously. I might fake injury right now. <laughs> yeah, right. So, yeah, it, I, I don't know, man. I, 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 It's just been a frustrating season for the Royals. And, of course, you know, I can't watch any of the darn games, but – it's uh, it, it's it's just been a frustrating season because they were like you said, Scott. I don't think we expected you know a ninety win team, but I don't think a I don't think eighty wins was. Uh, I don't think that was asking for too much. No, and I think on Grinky, I I always go back to one of my one of all time favorites, Herm Edwards. One of his great quotes is "Father time undefeated." Yep, never lost except for Tom Brady. Well, yeah, and that that's going to happen at some will. Um, but it does. It happens to everybody, and um, I, I I'm not saying I think he held on too long, but I think it's just it is. It's I think it is catching up with him this year, and a lot of times you do see that manifest itself uh, in these nagging type injuries. So again, I hope he can um, come back, and hopefully, at some point, we'll be able to talk about you know Bobby Witt on a on a, a 10 game hitting streak or something like that. Um, and have some, have some good conversation <laughs> moving forward, um, with the Royals. Cause right now it's, uh, yeah, it, it, it's tough. It's, it's tough. And again, and we, we could have a whole show on us not being able to watch the Royals, um, in this area. And especially with our TV service, we'll, we'll defer that, uh, maybe to another time. Uh, there was one topic, uh, that came up this last week, Brad, and I apologize to our listening audience in advance because I think I'm probably going to lose my mind again as I talk about this. But um, the Gabe Kapler thing in Major League Baseball, Brad, I'm going to get before I go into my soliloquy here. What what did you think when you when you saw him come out in the in the media with what he was going to do? I guess my initial thought was a lot of times I think we make these kind of dis- decisions. I don't, I'm not sure if rash is the, the word I'm looking for, but, and I know that this is, um, it's a, it's a, it's a tough thing to discuss. It's a tough thing to talk about. And it's uh, everyone, everyone deals with these kind of things in their own way. But, you know, I just, kind of remember what my dad always used to say is, you know, if you're thinking about making a big decision or whatever, you know, go to sleep on it and wake up the next day. And if you still feel that way, then go for it. And just, it just feels like that sometimes these, these decisions maybe are, again, I'm I'm not sure if rash is the right word, but I, 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 I I don't know. I, I just can't see what maybe he was thinking along the lines of, you know, what, what's the good here? What's the bad here? I guess maybe here's, here's what I'm trying to say, Scott. I, I finally figured it out. I'm, I'm not sure it was very well thought out from a pro and con perspective. What an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 lo- I did. I, 
my and my wife was on board. She lost her mind too. I mean, you'll see Colin Kaepernick, Brad. I mean, this is absolutely freaking ridiculous. He's gonna have. He's gonna. He's he's not satisfied with uh, the current political situation in this country. Well, buddy, you're gonna have to get in line way behind me because that is a long freaking line in this country right now. Everybody <laughs> is upset with that, and this idiot thinks staying in the clubhouse when the national anthem is being played is gonna actually some solve something. I mean, it, it, it perception's reality. It's disrespectful. That's what Colin Kaepernick's was. He, it lost all its momentum, all its meaning, because it is disrespectful. And, oh, by the way, he did bless us with his presence on Memorial Day because he didn't want to disrespect our veterans. What do you think you're doing the other <laughs> days of the week? You're doing the same thing. Yeah, the whole the, the whole Memorial Day thing, I was like, wait a minute, okay, if, if you're going to do this, do it, right? I mean, but then all of a sudden, well, you know, it's disrespectful to do it on, memo- on Memorial Day. Uh, I think now you're sending. I think now you're sending mixed messages, buddy. Well, once again, I don't think it was completely thought out. He, he's doing nothing. I mean, have you called your your state representative, your state senator up in Washington? I probably not. Have you, <laughs> buddy? Why not on your day off? If you're so concerned, take some of your star players, go down to Uvalde, Texas, and visit some of those hurting families. They would that would uplift them if they saw a major league player come and visit and, and show concern. Has he done that? No, he has not. I mean, this is. And he said, "I'll know when the time is right when I'm more satisfied with the direction of this country." Well, you might as well resign, buddy. I mean, yeah, yeah. I just, oh, I just. He's he's doing absolutely nothing besides creating more division, which is what Colin Kaepernick did in the first. I mean, this is just oh, I just I've had it with this idiocy that actually do something or shut up and just do your job. That's That's what what I'm trying to say is that I think you're, you're helping me out here trying to make what I'm trying to say here is that. You know, okay. They, they think of the first thing that they that comes to mind. Okay, I'm just going to sit in the, in the clubhouse for the national anthem. But like you said, I mean, what 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 is that? What what is your end game with that? You know, what are you hoping to to to, to accomplish with that? Like you said, okay. You know what? Maybe, maybe say, hey, you know, I think maybe a good thing to do. We're we're going to can't we're we're going to postpone tomorrow's game. And, you know, me and the me, me and the boys are going to fly down to Texas and, you know, we're going to try to meet with these guys, meet with these families and all that, you know, r- r- raise, uh, you know, some autographed jerseys or whatever for awareness, whatever it is they want to do. Yeah, I, there, there's better. There's more. I don't say better. There's more constructive ways, I think, it, it, to, to to make your point or to to try to uplift people. Yeah, I mean, m- Make a real difference and, and, and do something with your 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 level of, um, what am I trying to say, stardom or whatever. You're somewhat famous as a manager of a major league team. You're a former MLB player. There's stars on that Giants team. You, you could really make a difference, and this is what you're doing. I mean, it's just, I said, I, I was going to do this to my final thoughts, but I wanted to end on a little more positive <laughs> tonight and not lose my mind last thing because it's just – uh, I mean, and if he comes back in two weeks, that means, OK, everything's OK in this country now. Is that what he's going to say? <laughs> well, I'll, like you said, what's really going to change? Yeah. 
I mean, is he going to do this for the rest of the year and into next year? I mean, <laughs> is he? Is he? <laughs> Except on Memorial Day and the 4th of July, evidently. Apparently. Oh, has he said the 4th? Is he going to bless us on the 4th of July and come out for the national anthem? That, that I don't know. I'm just speculating. Well, I guess uh, in a month we can revisit this because uh, uh, I think I've I think I've said my piece on this one, but yeah, um, go do something, buddy. Besides this, it's that's ridiculous. <laughs> but any, anyhow, um, we'll we'll move on from that um, into uh, if you got anything to add, we can. If not, um, we'll move into final thoughts for tonight. Well, Scott, I uh, I, I told you about uh, we're recording this on a Thursday night, and I said uh, you know I might be a little bit late tonight because I was umpiring some baseball games, and Scott. For the first time in my life tonight, now I have done some umpiring these last, oh, maybe two, maybe three summers. Two, it, it's, this, I, this might be my third summer now where I've, I've taken some time in an umpire baseball throughout the summer. But my, most of the first couple of years were spent doing machine pitch. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I, I had a lot of fun. Well, the, the shortage of umpires is so much this year that they've asked me, hey, Brad, can you maybe start doing some higher-level games in the Central Kansas Baseball League? And I said, yeah, sure, I can give it a whirl. <laughs> well, tonight, Scott, for the first time, I, um, I geared up and went behind home plate and called balls and strikes. Now, earlier this week, I actually called balls and strikes for the first time, but since I was flying solo, I went out behind the pitcher's mound and tried it from there. You know, we can have a debate about if that's the best place to go. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But I'll tell you what, man. (laughs) That is hard stuff to do. That is just, oh, my gosh. And on top of that, Scott, I took two foul tips right to my mask. Mm -hmm. The the first one wasn't bad. It was one of those that was just barely, you know, barely fouled off and just hit me square. No big deal. But the last one. This kid from Pratt was pitching, and he was something of a ringer. He threw hard. The only thing about throwing hard is if they hit the ball, you know, they can hit, it can be hit pretty hard. Well, this kid fouls it straight back right into the bottom of my face mask, jarred it loose actually, and I, I kind of kind of staggered around a little bit. You know, not not I, I wasn't concussed or anything. I was just stunned. I was like, wow. I mean, holy ho- holy crap! What just happened there? And Oh, man, I tell you what, this is something that has been eye opening for me just about how difficult it is. Now, luckily, as you mentioned earlier, it's been pretty nice weather. But one thing I was thinking about on my drive home is, you know, guys are doing this five, six games in a weekend in Pratt and Dodge City. And it's 100 degrees out there. Holy my goodness, I can't imagine, Scott. I don't want to imagine. And, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I've, I know that we have been harsh on officials before. And, you know, me being a soccer official, I try to, you know, bite my tongue a lot throughout the games that I watch and cover and et cetera. But th- that was an eye-opening experience tonight, Scott, calling balls and strikes for the first time like that. And, again, we're not talking about, like, some U9 rec league or anything. You know, we're talking about a good level of U12. And uh, I, I just – I was blown away just how, how difficult it was. I hope I did well. Didn't, didn't really hear anybody complain about anything, so I guess that's good. So, but um, maybe they took some sympathy after seeing those two foul tips and thought maybe I was concussed or whatever. But I tell you, I, I've got a whole new uh, appreciation for baseball umpires. Well, I, I do as well. I, I, I did some, my, my experience, and this is, this is going to sound weird. My first experience was uh, Babe Ruth doing the, the bases 
And a number of years later, my second experience <laughs> was college junior varsity, <laughs> helping out a friend. His, his the other guy, it was a two-man crew. We were doing fringe junior varsity baseball. One spring had a, a schedule of about six, eight games we were supposed to do. And I had never been behind the plate. So the first time I went behind the plate was in a collegiate game. Wow. Wow. Uh and it wasn't the first game, but I think the second or third game that I was behind the plate. Of course, I started in the field first game, and I go behind the plate. Had a couple of guys, and, and the coaches had told me, okay, one, one of our guys, you know, he's got, he's got a great breaking pitch. He said, don't, you know, don't bail out us on the call. And he said, he's going to throw some hard breaking stuff, and a lot of it looks like it'll be out of the zone and ends up in the zone. It's like, okay. And the other coach told me, he said, hey, our guy, he, 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 t- he tips 87, 88. So he's going to throw hard. All right. And these guys were going at it. I mean, we were going one, two, three innings. But the guy throwing upper 80s winged one in where the batter just missed it, where it comes straight back into my mask, actually bruises my nose. It hit me so hard. And I'm sitting there like you were stunned. And the the catchers asked me, hey, Ump, you okay? I was like, "Uh, I've got got to take a second here to think about it. Uh, (laughs) And, uh, yeah, it's, a uh, it's tough. It's a, it's a tough job. And I, I hear people in the stands that know zero about it talking about, Oh, he's look at the umpire. He's look, he's, he's positioning himself. He's not even looking straight on. Well, as a home plate umpire, you cannot look straight on. You have to, I was taught to get on the inside yep. of the batter. So if the batter's are right handed, you are looking at the inside of the plate. So it's tougher to call the outside corner and then you switch if it's a left-handed batter. But yeah, um, if you want to take abuse and physical harm, <laughs> go behind the plate. Yeah. You get beat yeah, up foul balls. Uh, you get, you know, ragged on, on, on the calls. It's, it's, it is tough. And I, I'm more happy commentating about it than, than doing it. But I, I do know where you're coming from. Yeah, and I didn't even take a foul ball off the foot or anything like that. I haven't, I haven't gotten a chance to buy in those steel-toed uh, boots or, or shoes yet. So, I was definitely making sure my feet were as close to the catcher's feet as possible. Well, and other protection, I'd be more concerned about. Yes, that too. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I hope that uh, I hope that works well because we certainly uh, I've seen a lot of things already on Facebook um, about. Uh, guys encouraging if anybody wants to become an umpire clinics they're having and all of that for getting ready for you know fall football and and soccer and other sports that again yeah it's a it's a desperate need right now yeah it really is uh when they got people like me out there who's just my expertise is usually just machine pitch uh they've got guys coming out of retirement out of that fun valley uh they got some young guys out there who are learning the game uh pretty much I, you know, I get a schedule every week, and then on pretty much every game day, they just said, disregard that schedule. We'll get you your assignment when you get out here. Yeah, yeah. Those <laughs> re- revolving schedules, or how about evolving schedules? Evolving, there you go. That they run on a lot. So, yeah, I hope that uh, we'll get some more stories as the summer moves moves along, especially if you got to throw anybody out of the game or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wanted to go back to the state track and field, Brad. We had uh, – um, you know, coverage on Ad Astro of all the classes, area kids. A couple of kids I wanted to point out. One, one is my um, 
wife's nephew named Blake Logan. He's a sophomore at Circle High School. These are both class 4A that I'm going to be talking about. And then Lane Whistler, um, we're good friends with his family. I've watched, um, watched their kids grow up, both sophomores this year. Um, uh, kids got to know each other through us. They, 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 both of those boys come out here and, and fish at our property. We got them together. They've become really, really close friends. Well, both were able to qualify for state in the distance uh, races i believe it was the uh the mile and the two mile and uh ended up you know it's a it's a field of 16 and um nephew blake ended up meddling took seventh place uh lane had a little bit tougher race he got pinned on the inside lane early on and just by the time he was able to battle out of it he just couldn't make up the ground at the end um, ended up finishing 11th, was a little disappointed. But when we looked at the top four out of five finishers are seniors, and I'm trying to remember, was it the Miet? I'm going to forget the school. I, was either Miet, I want to say Miege, but that doesn't sound right. Um, obliterated um, the previous state record. I think this was in the mile. Um, but four or five of those were seniors. So these two young men, um, great worth ethics, have, have come a a long way in their first two years, knowing that those four top four were seniors, um, they could sure be cracking that top five if they can get back there next year. And and I thought I was really proud of those two to, as sophomores and a really upper level at full class 4A to do as well as they did. Well, there's nothing quite like the state track meet in Kansas. Uh, you know, we, and look, you and I have been hard on Keisha before and, some of the things that that happen and, and you know I, I i don't like the way some of the state events are set up i mean we have an mls stadium in kansas and we don't use it for for state i mean how, how much look, look with all due respect to some of these communities i don't want to go to spring hill if landon plays in state soccer one day my, my son i want him to go play in, at sporting kansas city's park or at least ku stadium or at least k-state stadium you know a division one uh, stadium um, so there's some things that I, there's a lot of things that you and I, I know have been hard on Keisha about, but i tell you one thing that they get w- right on the money is state track. Yeah. And for those kids to go out there and compete in a, a, a track meet like this, as uh, you know, freshmen or sophomores as underclassmen, first of all, it's gotta be a pretty wide, uh, eye-opening experience right there for them. And, uh, to see them out there. You know, as a, as a family member, it's, it's, it's an, inc- I, I get happy when my friend's kids do well. I can't imagine what it's like when, you know, your kid, uh, when you're related to them like that. So, and the best part about it is, you know, they got a couple of years left and, you know, maybe that they will be, one of them will be going down the home stretch here in a year or two. And they will be na- announce their name or the PA for those last few steps or whatever, and maybe get themselves a state championship. Yeah, they, and again, they get to compete against one another, being in the you know Arc Valley Chisholm Trail League during the um, regular season. They'll see each other. So, and they were out here the next day after the after the meet to do some fishing and just decompress a little bit, camp out, and, uh, and it was it was it was really neat. And I hope uh, I wish them the best. It's going to be really cool to see what they can do uh, cross country next fall. Of course, both run cross country, and then of course in uh, track and field next spring so again that's our show for this week and again tune in for our show next week but for tonight for the view from the press box for brad hallier this is scott hogan god bless we'll see you next week